Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good night. Whenever and wherever in the realms of fabulous, beautiful, mystical time and space, my voice finds you. My name is Aaron James. You're listening to Kids Myth Plus, episode 28. Today's episode is the third and final in a series bringing you the romantic error classic penned by Hans Christian Andersen, The Snow Queen. The Snow Queen is written in seven stories. This episode includes the final three stories. We're going to jump right into it, but if you have not listened to the first four parts, now is your chance to catch up and listen to all seven parts. In part one of our series, Kidsmith Plus, episode 25, we presented the first two stories. Story one, about the mirror and its pieces. Story two, a little boy and a little girl. In part two, episode 26, you'll find story three, the garden of the woman who knew magic. And in part three, episode 27 of Kidsmith Plus, you'll find story four, the prince and princess. And now, in episode 28 of Kidsmith Plus, we present the final three stories, The Snow Queen. Fifth story, The Little Robber Girl. They drove on through the dark woods, where the chariot lit up the way and dazzled the eyes of some robbers who were lurking there in the shadows. The sight of the glittering chariot excited their greed, and they could not bear to let it pass. It's gold, they cried and darted forward. The robbers seized the horses and pushed aside and scattered the coachman and the footman. Then they dragged little Gerda out of the carriage. She is plump and she is pretty. She has been fattened on nuts, no doubt, said the old robber woman who had a long beard and eyebrows that hung down over her eyes. She is as good as a little lamb. How wonderfully delicious she will taste. And as she said this, she drew out her sharp knife. It glittered horribly. Screamed the old woman at that same moment, for her little daughter had snuck up behind her and bitten her on the ear. She hung on her back as wild and as savage as any little animal you could wish to find. You horrible, wicked child, said the mother. And because of her wild little child, the old woman was prevented from making Gerda into the dinner she so desired. She shall play with me, said the little robber girl. She shall give me her muff and her pretty dress and she shall sleep in my bed. Then she bit her mother again and made her dance and squirm. All the robbers laughed and said, Look at her dancing! Look at her dancing with her cub! I want to get into the carriage, said the little robber girl. And she always had her own way because she was so spoiled and stubborn. She and Gerda got into the carriage and then they drove over stubble and bumps and stones further and further into the woods. 
The little robber girl's eyes were quite black with an almost melancholy expression. She put her arm around Gerda's waist and said, They shan't kill you as long as I don't get angry with you, so don't worry. Surely you must be a princess, yes? No, said little Gerda. And then she told her all of her adventures and how fond she was of her friend Kay. The robber girl looked earnestly at her, gave a little nod and said, They shan't kill you even if I am angry with you. I will do it myself. Then she, the robber girl, dried Gerda's eyes and stuck her own two hands into the pretty muff given to Gerda by the princess, which was so soft and warm. At last, the chariot stopped. They were in the courtyard of the robber's castle, the walls of which were cracked from top to bottom. Ravens and crows flew in and out of every hole, and big bulldogs, which looked ready to devour somebody, jumped up as high as they could. But they did not bark, for it was not allowed. A big fire was burning in the middle of the stone floor of the smoky old hall. The smoke went up to the ceiling, where, finding no chimney, it was forced to find its own way out. Soup was boiling in a big cauldron over the fire. Hares and rabbits were roasting on spits. You shall sleep with me and my little pets tonight, said the little robber girl. When they had taken something to eat and drink, they went along to one corner of the room, which was spread with straw and rugs. There were nearly a hundred pigeons roosting overhead on the rafters and beams. They seemed to be asleep, but they fluttered about when the children came in. They're all mine, said the little robber girl, seizing one of the nearest. She held it by the legs and shook it till it flapped its wings. Kiss it, she cried, dashing it at Gerda's face. Those are the wood pigeons, she added, pointing to some boards fixed across a big hole high up on the walls. They're a regular rabble. They'd fly away at the first chance if they weren't locked in. Here's my old sweetheart, the little robber girl said, dragging forward a reindeer by the horn. It was tied up, and it had a bright copper ring around its neck. We have to keep him close, too, or he would run off the same. Every single night, I tickle his neck with my bright and twinkling knife. He's so frightened of it. The little girl then produced a long knife out of a hole in the wall and drew it gently across the reindeer's neck. The poor animal howled and kicked. The robber girl giggled mischievously and pulled Gerda down into the straw bed. Do you have that knife by you while you sleep? Asked Gerda, looking rather frightened. I always sleep with a knife, said the little robber girl. You never know what might happen. But anyway, tell me again what you told me before about little Kay and why you went out into the wide world. So Gerda told her all about it again, and the wood pigeons cooed up in their cages above them. The other pigeons were asleep. The little robber girl put her arm round Gerda's neck, and with the knife in her other hand, soon slipped into sleep and was snoring soundly. But Gerda would not close her eyes. She didn't know whether she was to live or to die. The robbers sat round the fire, eating and drinking, and the old woman was turning somersaults and squealing. The sight terrified poor little Gerda. Then the wood pigeons said, We have seen little Kay. <laughs> 
His sled was drawn by a white bird, and he was sitting in the Snow Queen's sled. It was floating down low over the trees while we were in our nests. The Snow Queen blew upon the young ones, and they all died, except for the two of us. What are you saying up there? asked Gerda. Where was the Snow Queen going? Please tell me, you must tell me, you know. She was most likely going to Lapland because there is always snow and ice there. Ask the reindeer who's tied up over there. I, I of course know Lapland. There is ice and snow, and it's a splendid place, said the reindeer. You can run and jump about wherever you like on those big glittering plains. The Snow Queen has her summer tent there, but her permanent castle is up at the North Pole. On the island which is called Spitsbergen. Okay, my little Kay, sighed Gerda. Lie still, or I shall stick you with my knife, said the robber girl. In the morning, Gerda told the robber girl all that the wood pigeons had said, and the little robber girl looked quite solemn with a serious, unsmiling face. But she nodded her head and said, No matter, no matter, it doesn't matter. Do you know where Lapland is? She asked the reindeer. Who shouldn't know better than I? Said the animal, its eyes dancing. I was born and brought up there. And I used to leap and play all through those snowfields. Listen, said the robber girl. You can see that all of our men folks are away. But mother is still here and she will stay. Later on in the morning, she'll take a drink out of that big bottle there. And after that, she will have a nap. Then I will do something for you. She jumped up out of bed, ran along to her mother, and pulled her beard and said, Good morning, my very own dear nanny goat. And her mother flicked at the little robber girl's nose till it was red and blue, all out of playful love, of course. As soon as her mother had taken her drink from the big bottle and had dropped down to sleep, the little robber girl went along to the reindeer and said, Nothing in this world would give me more pleasure than keeping you here with me to tickle you with my knife now and then and see you squirm and kick. You know it's such fun to tease you. However, it doesn't matter. I'll untie your halter and help you outside so that you may run away to your lapland. But you must put your best foot forward and vow to deliver this little girl to the Snow Queen's palace, where she may find her playfellow. I've no doubt that you heard what she was telling me yesterday, for she spoke loud enough, and I know you are constantly eavesdropping with those big ears of yours. The reindeer flittered his tail and jumped into the air for joy. The robber girl lifted little Gerda up on to the reindeer's back, taking great care to tie her safely. And what's more, she gave her a little cushion to sit upon. And here, take these, said the little robber girl. I'll give you your fur boots back, for it will be very cold. But I'm afraid I must keep the hand muff. It's just too pretty to part with. But don't worry, you shan't be cold. Here are my mother's big mittens. They'll reach right up to your elbows. Here, stick your hands in. Now your hands look just like my nasty mother's. The little robber girl giggled her mischievous giggle, and Gerda shed tears of joy. I don't like to see you whimpering, said the little robber girl. You ought to be looking delighted. Here are two loaves of bread and a bit of ham so that you shan't starve. 
These things, along with little Gerda, were tied on to the back of the reindeer. The little robber girl opened the door, called in all the big dogs, and then she cut the rope with her knife and said to the reindeer, Now run, but remember, take care of my little girl. Gerda stretched out her hands in the big mittens of the little robber girl's mother and said goodbye. Then quickly the reindeer darted off over briars and bushes, through the big woods, over swamps and plains, as fast as it could go. The wolves howled and the ravens screamed, while the red, green, and blue lights quivered and swirled up in the sky. My old beloved northern lights, said the reindeer, look at how they flash. And on they rushed, faster than ever, day into night. The loaves were eaten, and the ham too, and before long they would arrive in Lapland. Finally, little Gerda and the reindeer stopped by a little hut. A very sad-looking little hut. The roof sloped right down to the ground, and the door was so low that people coming in and out had to creep on hands and knees. There was nobody at home here but an old lap woman who was frying fish over a train oil lamp. The reindeer told her all Gerda's story, but it told its own story first, for the reindeer thought its story much the more important. Gerda was so overcome by the cold that she could not speak at all, her lips quivering. Oh, you poor creatures, said the lap woman. You've got a very long way to go yet. You'll have to go hundreds of miles into Finland, for the Snow Queen is paying a country visit there, and she burns blue lights every night. I will write a few words on this dried stockfish, for I have no paper. I'll give it to you to take to the Finn woman up there. She will be better able to direct you than I can. So when Gerda was warmed and had eaten and had something to drink, the lap woman wrote a few words on a dried stockfish and gave it to her, bidding her take good care of it as they traveled. Then she tied Gerda on to the reindeer once again, and off they flew. Flickering and shimmering were the beautiful blue-green northern lights up in the sky all night long. At last they came to Finnmark and knocked on the Finn woman's chimney, for she had no door at all. There was such a heat inside that the Finn woman went around almost naked. She was small and very grubby. She at once loosened Gerda's things and took off the mittens and the boots, for she would have been much too hot. Then she put a piece of ice on the reindeer's head, and after that she read what was written on the fish. She read it three times, and then she knew it by heart and plopped the fish into her pot for dinner. There was no reason why it shouldn't be eaten, and she never wasted anything. Again, the reindeer told his own story first, and then little Gerda's. The Finn woman blinked with her wise eyes and said nothing. You are so clever, said the reindeer. I know you can bind all the winds of the world with a bit of sewing cotton. When a skipper unties one knot, he gets a good wind. When he unties two, it blows hard. And if he undoes the third and a fourth, he brings a storm about his head wild enough to blow down the forest. 
Can't you give the little girl some type of potion or drink so that she may have the strength of 12 men and overcome the Snow Queen? The strength of 12 men, said the Finn woman. Yes, that would be about enough. She went along to a shelf and took down a big folded skin, which she unrolled. There were curious characters and markings, symbols written on it, and the Finn woman read till the sweat poured down her forehead. The reindeer again implored her to give Gerda something, and Gerda looked at her with such beseeching eyes full of tears that the Finn woman began blinking again and drew the reindeer along into a corner where she whispered to it, Little Kay is certainly with the Snow Queen, and he is delighted with everything there. He thinks it's the best place in the world, but that is only because he has got a splinter of glass in his heart and a grain of glass in his eye. The glass will have to come out first, or he will never be human again, and the Snow Queen will keep him forever in her power. But can't you give little Gerda something to take, which will give her the power to conquer it all? I can't give her greater power than she already has. Don't you see how great it is? Don't you see how both man and beast have served her? How she has gotten on as well as she has, even in her bare feet? We must not tell her of the power she has. It is in her heart because she is such a sweet, innocent child. If she can't reach the Snow Queen herself, then we can't help her. The Snow Queen's gardens begin just two miles from here. You can carry her as far as that. Put her down by that big bush standing there in the snow covered with red berries. Don't stand gossiping, but hurry back to me. Then the Finn woman lifted Gerda yet again up on to the reindeer's back. The reindeer rushed off just as hard and quick as possible. Oh, I haven't got my boots or my mittens, cried little Gerda. She soon felt the want of them in that cutting wind, but the reindeer didn't dare to stop. It ran on till it came to the bush with the red berries. There it put Gerda down and kissed her on the cheek, while big shining tears trickled down its furry face. Then the reindeer ran back towards the huts of the Finn woman as fast as it could. There stood poor little Gerda, without shoes, without gloves, in the middle of the freezing ice-bound Finnmark. She ran forward quickly with everything she could muster. A whole army of snowflakes came charging toward her. They didn't fall from the sky, for it was quite clear with the northern lights shining brightly. No, these snowflakes ran along the ground, and the nearer they came, the bigger they grew. Gerda remembered well how big and ingenious they looked under the magnifying glass. But the size of these was monstrous. They were alive. They were the Snow Queen's advance guard, and they took the most curious shapes. Some looked like big, horrid porcupines, some like bundles of knotted snakes with their heads sticking out. Others, again, were like fat little bears with bristling hair. But all were dazzling white, quite alive snowflakes. Then little Gerda said the Lord's Prayer, 
and the cold was so great that her breath froze as it came out of her mouth, and she could see it like a cloud of smoke in front of her. It grew thicker and thicker till it formed itself into bright little angels who grew bigger and even bigger when they touched the ground. They all wore helmets and carried shields and spears in their hands. More and more appeared, and when Gerda had finished her prayer, she was surrounded by a whole legion. They pierced the snowflakes with their spears and shattered them into hundreds of pieces, and little Gerda walked fearlessly and undauntedly straight through them. The angels touched her hands and her feet, after which she no longer felt the cold and walked boldly on toward the palace of the Snow Queen. Now we will hear what was happening with little Kay. Kay was not thinking about Gerda at all. He would never have dreamed that she was just outside the palace. Seventh story. What happened in the Snow Queen's palace and afterwards. The palace walls were made of drifted snow and the windows and doors of the biting winds. There were over a hundred rooms in the palace. It was shaped just as the snow had drifted. The biggest room stretched for many miles. They were all lighted by the strongest northern lights. All the rooms were immensely big and empty, glittering in their iciness. There was never any happiness or fun in these rooms, not even so much as a ball for the little bears, when the storms might have turned up as the orchestra, and the bears might have walked about on their hind legs and shown off their grand manners. There was never even a little game playing or a party, not even tag or hide and seek, not even a little gossip over a cup of coffee for the white foxes. Immense, vast, and cold were the Snow Queen's halls. The northern lights came and went with such regularity that you could count the seconds between their coming and going. In the midst of these never-ending snow halls was a frozen lake. It was broken up on the surface into a thousand bits, and each piece was so exactly like the others that the whole formed a perfect work of art. The Snow Queen, when she was at home, sat in the very middle of the frozen lake. She would say that she was sitting on the mirror of reason, and that it was the best and only one like it in the world. Little Kay was blue with cold, no, almost black, but he didn't know it, for the Snow Queen had kissed away the icy shivers, and his heart was little more than a lump of ice itself. He went around dragging small, sharp, flat pieces of ice, which he placed in all sorts of patterns, trying to make something out of them. Just as when we at home have little tablets of wood or blocks, which we can make patterns, Kay's patterns were most ingenious because they were the ice puzzles of reason. In his eyes, they were first-rate and of the greatest importance. This was because of the grain of glass still in his eye. He made many patterns forming words, but he never could find out the right way to place them for one particular word, a word he was most anxious to make. It was eternity, the Snow Queen had said to him, 
that if he could find out this word, he should be his own master once again, and she would give him the whole world and a new pair of skates. But he could not discover it. Now I'm going to fly away to the warm countries, said the Snow Queen. I want to go and peep into the black cauldrons. She meant the volcanoes, Etna and Vesuvius. I must whiten them a bit. It does them good. And the lemons and grapes, too. And away she flew. Kay sat quite alone in all those many miles of empty ice halls. He looked at his bits of ice and thought and thought, till something gave way within him. He sat so stiff and immovable that one might have thought he was frozen to the bone. And just at this moment, through the great gates in the biting wind, little Gerda walked into the palace. She said her evening prayer, and the wind dropped as if lulled to sleep, and she walked on to the big, empty hall. She saw Kay and knew him at once. She flung her arms around his neck, held him tight, and cried, Kay, little Kay, I have found you at last. But Kay sat still, rigid and cold. Then little Gerda shed hot tears. The tears fell upon Kay's chest and penetrated his flesh and sank into his heart. There at Kay's heart, the tears thawed the lump of ice and melted the little bit of mirror which was lodged in it. He looked at her and she sang. Kay burst into tears. He cried so much that the grain of glass was washed from his eye. He knew her and shouted with joy, Gerda, dear little Gerda, where have you been for such a long time? He looked round and said, How cold it is here, how empty and vast. He kept a tight hold of Gerda, who laughed and cried for joy. Their happiness was so heavenly that even the bits of ice danced for joy around them. And when they settled down, there they lay, just in the very position the Snow Queen had told Kay he must find out. Gerda kissed his cheeks and they grew rosy. She kissed his eyes and they shone like hers. She kissed his hands and his feet and they became well and strong. The Snow Queen may come home whenever she liked. Kay's order of release was written there in shining letters of ice. They took hold of each other's hands and wandered out of the big palace. They talked about Grandmother and about the roses up on the roof. And wherever they went, the winds lay still and the sun broke through the clouds. When they reached the bush with the red berries, they found the reindeer waiting for them, and he had brought another young reindeer with him. The children drank warm milk and kissed the reindeer on the head. The reindeers carried Kay and Gerda, first to the Finn woman, in whose hut they warmed themselves and received directions about the homeward journey. Then they went on to the Lap woman. She had made new clothes for them and prepared her sled. Both the reindeers ran side by side to the boundaries of the country. Here the first green buds appeared, and they said goodbye to the reindeer and the Lap woman. They heard the first little birds twittering, 
and saw the buds blooming in the forest. Out of the forest came riding a young girl on a beautiful horse, which Gerda knew, for it had drawn the golden chariot. She had a scarlet cap on her head and pistols in her belt. It was the little robber girl who was tired of being at home. She was riding northwards to see how she liked it before she tried some other part of the world. She recognized them at once, and Gerda recognized her with delight. Well, you're a nice fellow to go tramping off like that, she said to little Kay. I wonder if you deserve to have somebody running to the ends of the world for your sake. But Gerda patted her cheek and asked about the prince and princess. They're traveling in foreign countries, said the robber girl. But what of the crow? asked Gerda. Oh, the crow is dead, she answered. The tame sweetheart is a widow and goes about with a bit of black wool tied around her leg. She pities herself bitterly, but it's all nonsense. But tell me, said the little robber girl, how did you get on and how did you find him? Gerda and Kay told her all about it. Well, 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 it's all right at last then, said the little robber girl. And she took hold of their hands and promised that if she ever passed through their town, she would pay them a visit. Then she rode off into the wide world. But Kay and Gerda walked on, hand in hand, and wherever they went, they found the most delightful spring and blooming flowers. Soon they recognized the big town where they lived, with its tall towers in which the bells still rang their merry tunes. They went straight on to Grandmother's door, up the stairs and into her room. Everything was just as they had left it, and the old clock ticked in the corner, and the hands pointed to the time. As they went up through the door and into the room, they noticed that they were grown up. The roses clustered round the open window, and there stood their two little chairs. Kay and Gerda sat down upon them, still holding each other by the hand. All the cold, empty grandeur of the Snow Queen's palace had passed from their memory like a bad dream. Grandmother sat in God's warm sunshine, reading from her Bible. Without ye become as little children, ye can never enter the kingdom of heaven. Kay and Gerda looked into each other's eyes, and then, all at once, the meaning of the old hymn came to them. Where roses deck the flowery vale, there, infant Jesus, we thee hail. And there they both sat, grown up and yet children, children at heart. And it was summer, warm, beautiful summer. Summer, warm, beautiful summer. Finally, summer has arrived. And Gerda and Kay are home safe and sound after an incredible journey. How long were they away? They have returned to the garden, to their home, their place of safety. But they are not the same people as when they left. They are grown up. What a story, the Snow Queen. 
Gerda, our heroine, has saved the day. What did she learn along the way? And what did we learn about good and evil, about the romantic movement of Hans Christian Andersen's time, the individual imagination, inspiration from the dream world, from dreams, valuing feelings and intuitions over the rational and scientific like how Kay becomes fixated on his numbers and math skills. What are some examples of the symbolism Hans Christian Andersen uses? How about the evil mirror created by the demon? The rose and Kay and Gerda's garden? The river? The woman who knew magic and her garden of talking flowers? Finally, the robber girl and her reindeer. Was the robber girl good? and the palace of the Snow Queen where Kay was entranced, trying to remember the word. What was that word? Eternity? Why eternity, I wonder? And of course, what did save the day eventually? Gerda's innocence? Summer arrived and Gerda and Kay found themselves grown up, but still young at heart. Perhaps this is the final and most important lesson Hans Christian Andersen wants to share with us. To stay young at heart. Continue to see the world around us with the fresh, innocent, clear, and faithful eyes of a child. What do you think of this? I would love to hear what you think of Hans Christian Andersen's The Snow Queen. What symbolism can you find? What messages are hidden between the lines? The Snow Queen, was she good or bad? She wasn't defeated or punished. What do you think of this? What is Hans Christian Andersen saying about good and evil? Please share your thoughts with us. Comment on Apple Podcasts or reach out on Instagram at KidsMythPlus. That's at KidsMythPlus, P-L-U-S. So, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you all for listening and for your engagement, for your questions, your comments, and your messages. Thank you so much. Our version of The Snow Queen by Hans Christian Andersen has been adapted from the book Stories from Hans Christian Andersen with illustrations by Edmund Dulock, first published in the year 1911. This has been Kids Myth Plus, episode 28. Remember, keep listening closely to your heart. Listen to what the flowers have to say, or the river, or the ocean. Look to the stars and open your heart. And always, always cherish your inner child, even when your outer body is all grown up.